welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 171 for Saturday the 21st of September 2019. Coming up this week, Rapid Release Book 2 has been let out into the world. Dead of Night is now available as a version 2 book release. I've just had five days of a BookBub promo. I'll let you know how my fourth promotion on Don't Tell Meg has been panning out. And Circle of Lies is over the halfway mark already. It'll soon be time to plan my eighth new book of 2019. So welcome to this week's podcast diary. As you can imagine, with the BookBub promo going on and with rapid release continuing, it's been a busy old week, but I'm delighted to tell you as an overview that this is the week that I feel like I'm on top of it now. I took a day's leave yesterday on the Wednesday. I'm recording this on Thursday because I'm doing my second stroke last corporate training day tomorrow, teaching WordPress. So I jiggled my days around. I told you last week that I was feeling a bit up to here with it. You can't see where up to here is, but it's above my head. <laughs> it doesn't work on audio really, does it? But um, um, I was feeling a bit overwhelmed with it last week, as you'll have no doubt sensed. So I took that that day off as a, a stitch in time. Really, I could have done without doing the corporate training. So I, I just bought that day back effectively. But of course, the corporate training is an earning day, which goes into the pot for edits and things. So it all kind of comes out well in the wash. But I, I've had a really productive time and I'm feeling well on top of things. In fact, I'm, I'm quite ahead of things at the moment, as you'll hear as we go through this diary. So let me go through my word count first. The book I'm working on at the moment is Circle of Lies, which we're releasing on the 11th. No, it's not the 11th of November. It's December. It's the 6th of December, something like that. Uh, 6th of December. So it's the book that follows Left for Dead, and that is the book that's released on the 11th of November. So uh, we're quite ahead with this one. On Sunday the 15th of September, I wrote 5,093 words of that book. On Wednesday, this was the day off, I rejiggled my days because I worked out a more logical way to do it. I wanted to get the writing in the pot first. On Wednesday, 18th of September, I wrote 5,390 words. So that novel is now at 31,683 words, pretty well halfway, because I'm going to write it no more than 75,000 words. It'll be somewhere between 75, sorry, 70 and 75,000 words once it's finished that book. And I'll also be writing another 5,000 words of that book on Saturday, the 21st of September, the day that most of you will be listening to this. Book's going well. Um, interestingly, I, I tell you what I have enjoyed doing. Where I've been able to, as I've been re-editing these books, I've interwoven characters, just a mention often. But in this book, the Walker Bay trilogy, the uh, Don't Tell Meg trilogy, uh, much of it is set, I, I always set it in a notional northern town. And so it's kind of a mix between Lancaster and Carlisle, both towns that I, both cities, I beg your pardon. I've lived in both of those cities. I, I lived and taught in Lancaster for years. And obviously we've lived in Carlisle for years. So I don't actually locate Don't Tell Meg. When I edit it, I, I might actually locate it. I might locate it, probably it would be located in Lancaster rather than Carlisle. Um, but I might locate that if I edit it again, because I specifically didn't locate it, but actually... I might as well. It's quite nice using the locations, but also it would help me to sell the book. So I have I have located Left for Dead uh, because it very much is geographically fixed in the Morecambe area, and so that might serve. Don't tell Megwell. But the reason I'm telling you that is that I I use a, a police officer, uh, same police officer that I use in Don't Tell Meg, and also there's a chap called Stephen Terry who's a clairvoyant who pops up in Don't Tell Meg. In fact, he, he features quite highly. Well, he, he features as a minor character in Circle of Lies. I also had a character who popped up in Friends Who Lie. I was able to mention her in two years after, just in passing. And um, so I, I've tried to create little Easter eggs as I've been going along. Sometimes I can't do it, um, but where I have been able to do it without it being a heavy handed or forcing it in, I have dropped it in because I just think that works for people who read your books. And I was probably a bit slow to think of that first time I wrote the books. 
I've been editing this week and I've probably sounded quite down to you about No More Secrets. This is the book that was originally released as Burden of Guilt. I never did anything with it. Always liked the story. Um, it was inspired. It's, it is inspired by a love of the Lochaber distance, Lochaber, Lochaber dis, uh, area in Scotland around Spean Bridge and Fort William. I went up there, um, not with my family. I went on holiday with uh, some friends and when I was about 12 or 13, just fell in love with it. And my wife and I, that's where we stayed when we went on honeymoon. These were the days before easy jet flights, incidentally. It used to cost you a fortune to fly in those days. So we holidayed in the UK. Um, and then we took the kids up there. And then I went up there with one of my kids last year on a, on a driving holiday too. So I, I love it up there. It's one of those areas that I keep returning to. And so it was a natural location to locate or place one of my books. And that's where Burden of Guilt is, is located. Um, so last week, uh, I think I'd started editing it last Monday and I was tired and really didn't want to edit last Monday. I wasn't in the mood for it. So I, I guess I approached it with a, a, a negative frame of mind, a negative mindset. So I felt fairly down when I, I, I read the, the prologue and didn't feel like the prologue was working. And I, I knew I already had to look at the end. And um, so I thought, OK, let's just park those. Let's do the middle bit because I know the middle bit's fine. And I've edited that over this week and the middle bit is fine. Um, it's interesting, actually, going back to those standalones, which must be two or three years old now. Uh, they're, they're fine. I'm not, I'm quite happy with the writing of the stories, but every now and then, and it's not a lot of it, uh, unless I'm still missing it. Uh, there is some head hopping, very minor and occasional head hopping. And I hope I've, I th- hope I've spotted those and removed those now. The, uh, prologue didn't need much of a rewrite actually it only it was just I just didn't feel like I'd set it up strongly enough in the last uh, paragraph really and I, I put that right this morning and also in the epilogue I, I'd been a little bit heavy-handed I'd, I'd done I'd done too much telling not showing and and again it was fairly easily fixed uh, I just removed a couple of paragraphs and, and thought, actually, when I looked at it, I thought, that's that's the bit there. Those words there are where I start this epilogue. I've got two paragraphs there of telling. If I just remove those and start it there, that works. And then again, I just wanted to tidy up the last sentences in the book. I just wanted to, to finish it slightly more sharply, just, just a stronger finish, stronger crescendo with the choice of words that I used. And, and and so actually, I, I thought I was going to be working on it for much of today, and I, and I wasn't. It was fairly easy to fix. Uh, I just erased a load of stuff uh, and, and just changed. Um, it was really just the mood and the feel that I wanted you to, to leave you with at the end of the prologue and at the end of the book. It was the final taste, if you want, in those chapters that I just didn't feel I got. I hadn't quite nailed it, I didn't think, first time. So I'm happy with those now. Uh, before I started recording this diary, I um, exported it into a Word document. It has already been edited, remember. So I just ran it through Grammarly to make sure I hadn't made any any new errors in the little tweaks that I'd made. Uh, and that's now ready as I'm listening through to this podcast recording in an hour's time and it's finished. Uh, just making sure I haven't coughed, spluttered or said anything that I shouldn't have done. Um, I, as that's playing in the background, I will be processing no more secrets and putting it into KDP Select and producing the paperback from the Vellum files. So it's been a good old week with that. Having had that slow, slightly negative start, I'm, I'm feeling much more positive and happy with that book now. It's, it's a good little yarn. It's very exciting at the end. The great motorbike chase, which I, I really enjoyed reading again. So yeah, it's, I'm happy with the story, uh, having made those tweaks. Um, so on, on Monday, I edited chapters 13 to 18. I did actually, it must be two weeks ago that I was saying about it. If I was on chapters 13 to 18 on Monday, uh, Tuesday, chapters 19 to 24, Wednesday, chapters 25 to the epilogue. Um, I didn't actually do the epilogue. Um, I read up to it. And then today I've rewritten the prologue of the epilogue. Um, and that's good to go now. So ready to submit to KDP. Um, and that's fantastic. So. As I said, I had a pretty good week this week in that I've now teed up all the books until Monday, the 14th of October. And Monday, the 14th of October is when I get to my first box set. Uh, and now I finished No More Secrets. I'll be pulling that box set together tomorrow night when I get back from this corporate training. Um, I don't like to record the podcast after the corporate training because my voice is usually shot. I'm a little bit hoarse. So I'm doing 
uh, tasks that I could just sit at and not talk for at my desk when I get back tomorrow. So I thought that's fine. I'll pull together the box set tomorrow night. Now No More Secrets is done. And so I will be up to then Monday, the 21st of October. Uh, that book is going to be two years after. Julie Cordoner is about to deliver that book to be edited. So I will be reading that, giving that my final ed- read and my final check and going through any suggestions that Julie's made. And that will be submitted. Well, it, has to, it doesn't have to be submitted until well, not a couple of weeks, actually. Two, two years after, it doesn't have to be submitted to KDP until the 17th of October. So plenty of time on that, uh, pretty well four weeks almost. Yeah, four weeks from today. So no rush with two years after. I've just got to get it read and make those, make those changes and then process the files. Um, also with editing this week, and it didn't take me long. Um, I've already had friends who lie. I've edited it very carefully and I, I sent it to a proofreader and I sent it to Helen Fazal. Um, Helen is not able to get to it properly until I can't remember when it is the end of November but she's given me a fast read and I think there shouldn't be much left with it I did just want to make sure that it had a proper full edit um, really just for my peace of mind but I don't think there's an awful lot uh, wrong with Friends Who Lie but I gave it to Helen she's just uh, run through it very quickly made some changes um, and I I went through those changes, um, ran it through Grammarly once again, just to make sure I hadn't made any mess-ups in the meantime. And that has been submitted to KDP Select. So it's sitting there ready to go. If I get a chance to... Well, I'm, I'm going to leave that as late as possible because I I may get lucky and I may get Helen's full edit before it's release time. It's absolutely fine to release now. It's just had a few changes made since it was released last time and nobody had picked anything up by that stage. So in the review. So what I'm going to do is just leave that now. It is ready to go. But if Helen does manage to get the full comprehensive edit back to me by then, obviously I'll process it and get the the fully, fully edited version out, which I can have 100% trust in. I'm probably about 90% trust with that at the moment. So um, as you can see, I'm I'm well on top of things. I'm feeling a lot better about things as I speak to you. And I'm really pleased I took that day off on Wednesday because it's just bought me the time I'm I'm about to lose on the Friday. It's given me two full days of working on things this week. So yeah, that feels like a pretty good position to be in on week two of the rapid release. Let's move on to rapid release then. And I'm actually going to put the BookBub promo and rapid release together because as things have turned out, they've merged. They're not separate things anymore. The BookBub promo really has become quite an integral and important part of what I'm doing with Rapid Release. And I'll explain that as I go along. I just wanted to say, though, um, thank you very much for your support. I just wanted to give a blanket thank you for your support. Um, I've just been getting so many, you know, likes, shares, comments, congratulations, comments from everybody on Twitter, on Facebook. People have been sending me emails saying, oh, look, um, you know, your books are being promoted to be on Amazon. I just uh, I really kind of appreciate that that support that I feel from everybody, that everybody's kind of just feels like you're all, um, you know, will, willing me on and hoping that this works. I just wanted to um, express my appreciation of that. Um, I, I, I have a nasty feeling you may be listening to a foolish man wasting a lot of money on a fool's errand and you're watching it in slow motion. But, but thank you anyway for your support. Let's just see how it pans out. You know, I'm probably being unfair to myself saying that, but that, I guess that's my fear that you're watching a crash in slow motion. Um, but there are things as you'll hear in this next section that make me think that, oh, you know, may, maybe this thing is getting a little bit of traction already. Let me go through it and you'll see see how you feel about it at the end. So we had the BookBub promo this week and um, it, it, it went well in terms of chart positions, but not in terms of income. So I think the first, this is the fourth time I've promoted this uh, Don't Tell Meg uh, as a BookBub. And so what I would have to say to you now is I feel like we've hit uh, BookBub fatigue with that book. Not to the extent uh, I'm going to make money on it, but I'm not going to make as much money as I made on it the first time. I'm, I'm going to overcover what it cost me. Was it 500 pounds? I make much more than that. My estimate would be maybe 2000. It's, it's difficult because I'm actually making decisions now 
that are not based on me having a standalone bookbub and me wanting to bleed as much money from it as I can. I spotted something this week with the bookbub, which made me think, hmm, let's not make this all about money now. Let's make this about rapid release. So let me talk you through those numbers and I'll, I'll, and I'll stop teasing you about this and explain why I'm thinking that way. So uh, the bookbub shifted. It's, I think it shifted about 12,000, 13,000 books this week. Uh, to give you a comparison, the first time I did a book bub, first time it ever been released, and this was with my dodgy covers on, incidentally, um, so it's quite a good little number, uh, really. But it was about thirty something thousand in that first week, um, and a lot of that, of course, was read. So it's about a third, probably, of what we did on that first promo. Now, if you remember promos two and three on the book bub, they were wide. And in the, certainly on the first promo that I did that was wide, I made as much money from going wide because uh, Apple and what's the other one? Barnes and Noble did better than I'd expected, much better than I'd expected. And my Apple income matched my Kindle income on that promo. So, you know, I would say um, that, that there's fatigue setting in with that book, that a lot of people have seen it. But, you know, 12,000 is not bad. And obviously it has increased the income. I'm getting much better income than I would have been throughout this week. Um, but really it's the knock-on that, that is important here. So just let me tell you with, with Don't Tell Meg, Don't Tell Meg got to number one in, it, in the three charts that it was listed on in the UK and the three charts it was listed on in the USA. To be honest, I don't look at any other charts. It may have charted elsewhere, but I don't, I don't really look. So it did what it has always done. And that is it got to number one in all of its free Three, no, three free charts. So, um, from a, a statistics point of view, forgetting the number of downloads, it, it did what it's supposed to do. Now, I was trying to work out how I'd priced. Remember, I make my money not on book one. I make my money on books two and three in that series. And I, I couldn't remember how I'd priced the books last time. But this time, I priced the murder place, which is book two at 99 pence or cents. And I priced the Forgotten Children, which is book three. I think it was two ninety nine in the states, a one ninety nine in the UK. And what I noticed quite quickly is that, I, as, as usual, I'm getting a lot of reads, and I'm, I'm selling books two and three already. And, and what will determine the final income on that book is, is obviously how many people read through from book one and then subsequently buy the other books. But what I noticed. And bear in mind that I'm doing rapid release at the moment. What I noticed is that because I priced those books, I think, slightly lower, although my income was down, those books were charting in paid charts on Amazon. So at one stage in this week, I had, I think it was four books. It was certainly three. I think it may have been four books on one chart in the top 100 for paid, not for free. Now, listeners to this podcast over a long period of time will know my pain has been that I learned this trick some time ago about how to get to number one in the free charts and that my pain is that I want to be charting in paid charts now this is this is what I want to be doing and as I say I, I was um I, I can't um I'm pretty sure it was four books. It was certainly three in one paid chart but but because I've got the books in slightly different categories all what I can tell you is that Dead of Night, now you see her, um, what's it called? The Murder Place and The Forgotten Children. Those four books this week, which are all paid books, have all been in paid top 100 charts this week. And in addition to that, Don't Tell Meg has been number one um, in, in, in its UK and its US charts. So what I sort of hadn't, what hasn't happened to me before is I haven't had books doing very well in the paid charts. And that's the difference this time around. And so what I've decided to do is the, the free promo on Don't Tell Meg is going to end tomorrow. So I'm recording this on Thursday. It's going to end on Friday. And so I've changed my core price for Don't Tell Meg to 99 pence or cents so that when it comes out of free it's as low a price as I can make it and then the murder place I have also priced at 99 pence or cents and the forgotten children is also priced at 99 pence or cents now I'm sacrificing income for chart position here because I've never had four books in the top 100 charts at one time 
The other thing I did this week, because I, I, I wanted, I'm trying to get some form of comparison with this. I, I, this is new. It's uncharted territory for me. Oh, by the way, um, I, I'm just checking as I speak to you on Thursday. I just wanted to give you Don't Tell Meg numbers. Uh, Don't Tell Meg is still number one on in vigilante justice. It's number two in kidnapping crime fiction and it's three in serial killers. This is in the UK. And let me just tell you where it is in the, in the US. It is currently, but it's still at number one. You see Thursday, four days after I'm still at number one in free in kidnapping crime fiction, vigilante justice and psychological thrillers in the US. Um, I'll talk to you about categories uh, in a little while, but I'm very pleased also to be in psychological thrillers. I, I did some category changes last week. I'm, I'm going to be telling you about those uh, a little later on. But I I wanted to start the chart in the category, one of the categories that all my kind of wannabe authors are in, uh, Mark Edwards and Leanne Moriarty and Harlan Coben. And, and so um, I have actually started to list in psychological thrillers, which is which is that category. So to be number one in the top 100 free is fantastic in that category. But also, if I go to the top 100 paid in that category, let me have a look. I think I'm somewhere in there. I think I've got something in there. Excuse me while I, I go through it. I'm, I'm just in so many charts at the moment. It's sort of quite hard to to kind of keep my head around it and uh, which chart is where. Um, am I in there? Maybe not now. Maybe not now. Maybe not that chart for paid, but I'm in other charts for paid. No, I'm not in that chart for paid. I'm sure I was at some time in the week. But again, you know, with charts, if you blink, you miss it. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to position myself alongside my author contemporaries. So I have taken, uh, you know, again, a slight hit in, in terms of going into a much more competitive uh, genre, uh, category, uh, but I want to do that because I want to be listed against people like, well, you know, let's put it this way. I got a screenshot this week where I'm listed, I'm in a row of four books and my book, I can't remember which one it is, is listed next to L.J. Ross. Now, L.J. Ross is the indie author who was selling more books than J.K. Rowling the other week. And I've got two, I've got one of my books sandwiched between two of hers. I'll, I'll put it, I'm creating a little slideshow on each resources page. I've got a screenshot of it. I'll, I can never remember the details. You know what I'm like, but I'll, I'll show you the screenshot. Uh, if you if you go to the resources page for this week's episode 171, you'll see the screenshot there. Um, you know, so that's great positioning for me. And this is, um, I don't think that's in paid charts. It's not in a free chart. So I keep talking about moving the needle. I know how to get to number one in free charts. I'm, I'm trying to move the needle with paid now. Now, the other thing I've been doing is I sat down and I, I wanted to see how my author rank and my my book ranks are comparing with Adam's because Adam is into week five of his rapid release. I've just started week two. And so I just wanted to, um, there's nothing competitive here because I know what Adam's doing and I'm sort of following along with him. And because I know that he's had successful rapid releases, it follows that if I, if my books are doing roughly as well as his in ranking, then hopefully you know, <laughs> things might go wrong. I might have misread it and all of this, misread the tea leaves, but I ought to get similar results. So I looked at my book rankings and my book rankings were higher than Adam's at this current rapid release that he's doing at the moment too. Again, not all of them, but the ones I've got released were higher. So what I decided to do with the book bub is I'm taking the hit on income because I'm going to drop the price. I'm going to capitalize on the traffic. And um, I want to drive the murder place and the forgotten children into the paid charts. Now, what this effectively gives me strategically is two books, which weren't even a part of my rapid release strategy. They weren't an integral part of the rapid release strategy. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I make sales from those, but they've never charted before. But it would be crazy of me. I'm trying to get books in the charts. I'm trying to get my author rank. I'm trying to get my book ranks up. It would be crazy of me to price those up now when they're doing so well and, and see, I'll take more income from it, which will be short-term income. But long-term, effectively, although I've just released two books in my rapid release strategy, I realized this week, actually, I've just released four. Um, the Murder Place and The Forgotten Children, which are books two and three in a series, are giving me 
that impetus that I need for rapid release. I've got, I've kind of got, you know, buy one, get get two free. That's kind of how it's worked. But of course, the fact that Don't Tell Meg, four days in is still number one in the USA chart, is driving more traffic over those. So rightly or wrongly, I have decided not to make this BookBub promo all about money and income. I'm going to take a hit on the income, a big hit on the income, probably half the income, because I want those books to stay in the paid charts as long as possible. Because at the moment, I've got Now You See Her, I've got Dead of Night, I've got book two in the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, the Murder Place and book three of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, the Forgotten Children, they are all charting in various charts. They're all doing you know, well in a small, modest way, but they're all paid. They're not free. And to take you back to that phrase, it's moving the needle for me as an author. Once again, Dead of Night, which is this week's release, I didn't feel like it was going massively well in terms of sales, certainly not compared with how Now You See Her did. Obviously, Now You See Her had me and Adam put together. We used both of our lists. We have paid an awful lot of money for Facebook ads and promos. But Now You See Her had far more uh, pre-orders than Dead of Night did. My pre-orders are going up, but they're not very good. You know, they're all they're all sub fifty uh, pre-orders. But again, when I looked at Dead of Night, it's made it to three top hundred paid categories in the USA. And I'm not very good at chasing all of this. Every now and then, I remember to have a quick look and see how things are doing. But but overall, I could already see. I looked at my author ranking this week, and I was something like two hundred and something in thrillers, whatever it was. It wasn't total. It was it was a subcategory. So it was something like thrillers, and I was two hundred and something in that category. And again, I, I've as I've taken screenshots. What I'm doing with this rapid release is I'm putting the images into just a picture gallery. So if you go to the resources pages each week, you'll just be able to flick through the arrows and look at the screenshots that I've taken, and it will illustrate what I'm telling you here. Um, but again, I you know I'm I'm rushing. I'm busy. I'm just trying to do this as quickly as I can, but to try and capture those screenshots when when I see them. But um, so in its small way, Dead of Night is is doing okay. It's, it hasn't set the world on fire. Um, it's no bestseller or anything like that. We got the bestseller tag for now. You see her, but I am aware. You've heard this phrase of a rising rising tide lifts all boats. It feels to me that the tide is rising and it's lifting my paid books. In that my author ranking is. I mean, I've never really looked at my author ranking, but my author ranking is something that looks mildly impressive. 200 and something it can't be that bad when you think how many authors there are I'm just going to find the screenshot because I sent it to Adam to ask him so I don't know how this is now but it was 247 was my rank and I think it was in thrillers and that would have been in the USA and when I look at my author rank um, in my author central I, I never look at these numbers because it, it's always immaterial I'm, I'm not doing very well that's usually what the answer is but now when you look at my author rank in Amazon author central I got this kind of orange line and I'm just below the number one, whereas it's always been, well, you know, down in the thousands, nothing impressive at all. So so all of these things, these are all, I'm sorry to keep using the phrase, but they're all moving my personal needle as far as my performance is concerned. That's why I've made the decision to keep those books paid, but not to make them highly paid. I just want, I want paid books and I want to be as high in the charts as I can. Because remember, I've got another eight weeks left of this year and we've got loads more books coming and I just want to, I just want to keep them going. I want to keep them all afloat. And we're after that overall ranking where Amazon just lifts us and starts to promote us, which is what Adam described to me. Now I won't share these figures because, um, you know, they, they were shared privately over Facebook. But Adam gave me his figures um, for his first promo uh, in February, March and April. He gave me the breakdown of what he earned over those months. And what I can tell you is that the income started very low. It started very normal. Um, so I, I should, if I follow his pattern, I, I shouldn't be getting too excited about the income. It should feel normal, maybe just slightly above because I'm promoting, but it's a normal, completely normal level of income. And then it was in month two that it, that it kind of, well, it, I think it went five X and then it, I think it went, um, two X again in the month after that. So we're not looking, um, and that didn't happen until weeks five and six for Adam in his rapid release. So, just bear that in mind 
that I'm not looking at income at the moment. I'm looking at, at chart positions that well, chart positions and, and books in paid charts. That's really what I'm looking for at the moment. So I'm going to take that hit on income. So, uh, you know, in, in the hope that it helps me in the long run. But I feel like now uh, I should have just been telling you about two books this week that are charting in paid. I've got four now that are in play. And um, I haven't, I'd forgotten to look at where I was with Don't Tell Meg. It's very nice to be telling you on Tuesday that that is still number one in all its charts in the USA. So it's done, it's done well. Now, remember, I have had other promos going this week. So I had the, the book bub on Don't Tell Meg on Monday. Uh, I had, what have I had this week? I had a BK Knights promo on Tuesday on Don't Tell Meg. I had a book doggy and a free booksy on Don't Tell Meg on Wednesday. With Dead of Night, I had an e-reader news today on Dead of Night on Tuesday. I had a book doggy on Dead of Night on Tuesday. I had a, uh, today I've got, oh, I've got one going today. Actually, I've got two going today. I hadn't realised that. <laughs> I had, uh, I've got a, book, a bargain booksy going on Dead of Night today, Thursday. And I've got a BK Nights going on Dead of Night today, which is Thursday. So um, th- this will keep, you know, pushing them and keep them uh, high in those positions. But it, it, the book bub will have, have, have got Don't Tell Meg high at first. It's the, the extra promos that keep it high. And remember, I'm also sending Facebook traffic to that. And I've also been sending Google traffic as well to all of the books. So as you can tell, it is a little bit crazy um, at the moment. I can uh, let you know this week, uh, I said last week that I can't use BK Knights to advertise 99 pence or cents books. I was uh, wrong about that. I all, all I'd done is I had, when I, I've used it for free books previously, and I've used the ad for free books, and I can't remember where I saw it. Maybe maybe I'd be getting the BK Knights. Oh, I know, I, I think I got, I, that's what I did. I checked the BK Knights newsletter to make sure that Don't Tell Meg had been listed for free. And I saw people were advertising at 99 pence and cents. So I went back to Fiverr to check it. And I realized there's a separate booking for discounted books. So I can advertise on BK Nights um, at 99 pence or cents. Uh, and so I am doing that. And so all of my books will be listed. And I can tell you now, actually, that I'll tell you what I've settled on for my promo. So every book, every week, with the exception of the box sets, which I will just release, I won't promote the box sets, The uh, all of the books are going to be promoted every week on, sorry, sorry, each book is going to be promoted in its release week. That's a clearer way of saying that. On BK Nights, Bargain Booksy, E-Reader News Today, and Book Doggy. Those are my favourite channels in that they've, they're the ones I've used so far and they seem to be doing well. Um, Adam said that he uses, um, he actually uses another one. So I, I ought to try the other one that Adam uses. I've forgotten the third one. But Adam certainly uses Bargain Booksy and E-Reader News Today, and he uses one other too. So I might investigate that and list them on that one. And as you can imagine, you know, it's costing me, well, it's not a small fortune, but it's costing me a lot of money. I booked up today, how many Bargain Booksies? Five bar- Bargain Booksies at 50 quid a pop. So 250 quid's worth of adverts today. I also tried to book ahead um five book doggies today which is about 15 quid each so i am spending it's not huge amounts of money but i am spending substantial amounts of money on promoting these books so uh what else do i need to tell you oh yes bookbub um i've been bookbub is is very useful for you to help with rapid release in that when you release a brand new book it will send that uh, a notification out to your your followers and so we got that with Now You See Her. Um, it was, it's interesting though, as I've been, you have to bring the books in to, to BookBub. And so I have been because I want those new uh, release alerts. Um, but it's interesting that Dead of Night and, well, the re-released books, they're not promoting. So although Amazon will view them as a brand new book, BookBub is not. They've said to me that they won't do a new release alert on uh, they won't do Dead of Night, One Last Chance, and they won't do No More Secrets, which was Burden of Guilt, 
But So Many Lies is a brand new book, so they, they will do that. So it's interesting that um, presumably, I don't know how they check, but I have been doing, again, I've been following Adam's lead with this, where books have been retitled and renamed. I've put it, I've acknowledged that in the copyright section. So the copyright section says this book has been you know, re-edited and retitled. Um, it was formerly called this. So that goes in the copyright section, you know, the, all the legal notes and things. But also at the bottom of the blurbs, I've acknowledged that too, just to be completely transparent that some people may have bought that book before. But as I've said in earlier diaries, so few people have bought those books. It doesn't trouble me in the slightest. There's a, a Dead of Night um, is the one that has shifted quite a lot of copies, actually, or even only in a small, in, in a small way, but it, it shifted enough copies for me to think that somebody that might potentially land in somebody's hands but but the book that was called burden of guilt and the book that was called friends uh, well friends who lie who was called who to trust burden of guilt is called no more secrets and one fatal error is called one last chance those uh, never really got enough readers for that to be an issue for me but i am acknowledging it in the blurbs but they're not going to get new release books that's fair enough i don't mind uh, book but will keep its powder dry for when i start to do the new releases and of course my brand new releases are coming and when hopefully we've got this this algorithm tickled so um you know so many lies i was processing that this week um, and creating the paperback files around it. That's a, a hugely substantial book. It's a really long and, and, and good read, So Many Lies. It's got brilliant feedback from beta readers. Uh, that's a brand new book that no one's seen before. And that's going to be followed two weeks after by two years after, which is a brand new book. And then it's going to be followed uh, two weeks or three weeks after that by Left for Dead, which is a brand new book. So I got loads of brand new books coming out after we've tickled this algorithm. So I'm hoping that they hoping that they will perform better, not only because they're fresh, but also because, you know, they are obviously brand new to absolutely everybody. So um, the other thing I touched on earlier, as I said to you, that I've made category changes to my book. So I, I went um, through the books and made sure that these re-releases of the new books are in the best categories. And what I did this time uh, is I looked at I looked at the people that I want to be like when I grow up. So I, I looked at the, the basically the, the books that I want to write, the place I want to be is I want to be in psychological thrillers. So if I go to the top paid psychological thrillers at the moment, let's just go back and have a look at this and I'll tell you some of the names that I, I want to, to be like. These are This is where I pitch my books. And so you know I want to be like Mark Edwards, for instance, who's a UK author. Claire McGowan's in there. I want to be uh, be writing books like Claire McGowan. Keith Houghton, Houghton, um, apologies, Keith, if I've got your uh, surname pronunciation right. Keith, uh, somebody I met on stage when I was lucky enough to speak for Amazon. And Keith writes books in, in the genre that I want to write in. James Patterson's in there. I'm just trying to go for people that you, you would know. Teresa Driscoll is in there. K.L. Slater. Uh, who else would you know? Another one by James Patterson. Um, Ruth Ware is somebody that I target. Uh, lots of Mark Edwards in there. Mark's doing really well. A big book in, in my uh, genre is Date Night at the moment by Samantha Hayes. That's all over the place at the moment. The Woman in the Window, AJ Finn. Rachel Kane is big in my genre. Um, who else that you would know? I think that's, I think, you know, if you're not, if you're not in that genre, though, that's where I want to be listed. So, I, I did stick my neck out a little bit this week and I've started to list my books in psychological fiction and psychological thrillers, um, as well as um, I've put some books in women's psychological fiction as well. But I've also peppered vigilante justice in there as well, because sometimes that's more appropriate for me. Um, vigilante justice is, is, you know, is, is a big category for me. Um but I have I have mixed it up a little bit. Vigilante justice is is one that Adam targets, and, and and I do I do quite well as he does in vigilante justice. But I have mixed it up a little bit because I, I want to start playing for the big categories now. I don't just want to lie low in the smaller categories. So, for instance, with now you see her, I think I think it was getting now you see her in that number one slot. It goes back to this, you know. I'm sorry to use the hackneyed catchphrase or the hackneyed phrase moving the needle, but but getting. That number one for sales, I think that was in Vigilante Justice, for now you see her, that that moved the needle. That was a number one in a 
um, you know, a, a hot genre that isn't so competitive. So, so that's done. We've got that screenshot now. And I just felt, well, we've done that. I don't want to keep repeating that in small genres. I want to play with the big boys and girls now. And I want to go for psych- psychological thrillers. So I had, have again, you know, strategically started to list in, in the kind of sections that I want to go and I may change those um, as we go along I'll just monitor it but I have been in those charts I've been happy with where I've been charting so I'm not going to change that right now um, but you know this is about moving things on for me not about staying still and to do that I need to stick my neck on the chopping block and take some risks with that I need to sort of shoot shoot for what I'm aiming for really not take half ass leaps at it so that means I am, I am obviously, you know, I get nervous about the money that I'm spending at the moment, but I just think, you know, I'm going to get one chance to do this. Let's just throw your hat, throw your hat completely in the ring. Um, it's, we're not talking massive amounts of money. Um, they ain't going to break the bank. Um, even though it feels like you're spending a lot of money, it's not going to break the bank. So what the heck, <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, I'm not going to get a chance to release my books like this again. This is a one time thing to release one book after the other, after the other, after the other. You know, it's going to take a considerable amount of effort or a huge collaboration to be able to do this again. There's no point chickening out. I got to just throw my hat in the ring and do this properly, I think. And then even if it fails, it's only, you're only talking three, three, four thousand pound of promotion money uh, over the 10 week period you know, that's not, that's not going to break the bank, is it? So, so I'm in for that. I'm just going to keep going at it. And all the time I'm seeing some results, uh, I'm going to do it. Now those results, remember, are not financial at the moment. They're not financial. That's why it takes a leap of faith. If the money was pouring out at the moment, I'd, I'd be chucking everything I got at it. <laughs> I really would. Um, so, uh, but, but, but I'm seeing results like I've never seen before in charts already. Um, and in, in my rankings, uh, in book rankings. So I'm going to keep doing it. I just wanted to let you know that um, uh, just to confirm what I've done this week, I've processed the paperbacks for Dead of Night, One Last Chance. I did Friends Who Lie last night. I also did So Many Lies. I'm going to do Burden of Guilt today. So again, you know, I said to you right at the beginning of this recording that I was desperately just trying to get on top of things. There were so many jobs to do. I have done that this week. Um, The paperbacks, uh, I'm using my kind of cheap and cheap approach because I don't shift many paperbacks but I do believe in making paperbacks available so I'm using the vellum files vellum makes creating paperbacks really easy and I'm taking the covers that Stuart Bache gave me I pick out a matching color I I pick the predominant color that Stuart's used for the cover and then I match that Um, I use the Kindle cover creator so it's got a lovely Stuart Bache cover on and for the spine and for the, the back cover I pick out the most close match cover color that I can to the cover uh, I put my author photo on I put my blurb on it they position the barcode and then um, I've got a paperback um, so again if I ever started selling books if I ever got kind of headway with this where I was selling a lot of books and people were buying paperbacks I would pay um, for the proper uh, paperback covers uh, I mean I've got proper paperback covers of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy Stuart Bache made them for me they look fantastic they're obviously way better than the ones that I use but to me it's a, a cost benefit analysis again I'm sorry to use all these horrible corporate phrases but it's a cost benefit analysis if I have to pay quite a lot of money to get those beautiful paperback covers done I ain't going to make that back anytime soon certainly not with the sales that I currently make uh, on paperbacks so it's not important for me it's more important for me to be shifting ebooks because that's where I make my money so I get the best covers I can on the ebooks and I use those brilliant covers in a cost effective way so I can produce paperbacks for people who want them and then uh, using my bootstrapping strategy you know if and when we have loads of money in the bank and I will then say okay let's move this up a notch now we get proper covers on all of those paperbacks and we just keep doing the job better 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 all the time until hopefully we, we reach this state of as close as we can get to perfection. It's never going to be perfection, but as close as we can get to it. And that's the way I feel about audiobooks, by the way. You know, I'm very mindful of audiobooks. I listen to Joanna Penn talking about audiobooks every week on her podcast. I would like to get audiobooks done. 
I guess at some point, this this might be a New Year job, actually, because um, some of my books, like Don't Tell Meg, for instance, have had loads of reviews. They would be a better punt for a voiceover artist now to record those and do revenue share with me. My big thing, though, with audio is I don't want to go all in on ACX. I want and I want to keep the rights. So probably being pig-headed about that is is what prevents me from doing audio. But I am mindful that I need to be returning to audio. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got uh, the secret bunker done in audio, and I paid. I paid the, the voice actor for it. It was $600 or pounds. I can't remember. I paid outright for it for the whole book. I kept all the rights. Of course, I've re-edited that book now, so that was all money wasted. But it, it did at least give me a chance to play with audio. And I feel with audio the same way as I do about paperbacks in that I, I frankly only sold a handful of audio books. So um, I, I'm better putting putting my money into the ebooks and making those sell first. So there's a, there's a when I start to see progress or if I start to see progress as an author and get a sense that more people are buying the books and more people are looking at the paperbacks and there might even be a demand for audio uh, at the point at which it becomes more cost effective then I would consider doing that but I I probably with Don't Tell Meg ought to get that done in audio form I think it has enough reviews and enough sales and enough history now to make that attractive to a voice artist to do a 50-50 revenue share. But I just need to check. Again, I haven't done audio for a while and things have changed since I last did audio with Findaway Voices. I just need to check how I can do that so I can keep the rights, but do the revenue share on the profit. I want to keep the rights on that. So I just need to look into that a little bit more closely. I'm really not a fan of giving my rights away, even though I've had to, obviously, with the collaborations. Okay, so um, I just wanted to mention that, that that's pretty well it, really. Uh, hopefully, you've got a sense that things are going as well as they could be expected. I, I think, in summary, I am very pleasantly surprised at where I am in paid charts. I hadn't expected to see that. I hadn't expected to have four books in play. I'd expected to have two books in play. Um, I had thought that this book, Bub Promo, was all about income. I'm going to take a hit on it. I'm not going to make it about income. If I got greedy, I'd be putting those prices up now on the books and I'd be making much more money from them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a hit and I'm going to allow. So if you imagine we've got this huge wave now rolling over that trilogy and uh, with that lovely momentum, people, lots and lots of people, you're 12,000, whatever it is, people, uh, not all of them will read it, of course, but a lot of those 12,000 people will start to read the book. Some will leave it. They won't like it. Some will keep reading it and love it. Those people will go on to buy books two and three. I know from previous experience that that's enough people for me to make money on. So my strategy this time is not to earn more money. It's to price the books at a you can't refuse kind of price because I want to force them up the charts. I want them to keep charting for me. So right or wrong, let's see how that goes. (laughs) We'll soon find out. I'll be a poor man with lots of debts. Uh, you know, of, of book promos. And I don't think I, I I said this. I think I've alluded to it, but I just wanted to say to you that I, I sat down this morning before I worked work through No More Secrets and I went through with a fine tooth comb all of my promos. So I've now got all of the books. Um, you can't always you can't always list your books so many weeks in advance. Um, but on Bargain Booksy, I've now listed all of my books up to left for dead they're all scheduled on bargain booksy with bargain booksy you can pick the date you want so i could go right up to november for left for dead november 11th i could go right up to november 11th and and book a slot so every single book now is scheduled on bargain booksy i have submitted every book that i can to e-reader news today they want you to submit two weeks ahead so on my schedule now this is why i said i wanted to grasp this all this this hydra as i described it last week i've now been organized enough to put notes on my planning schedule to say submit to ENT now submit to ENT so I've got those two week cycles in there it's the same for BK Knights they won't accept submissions until two weeks before so everything that I can submit to BK Knights has been submitted to BK Knights um, and those that can't are on the schedule and everything has now been submitted to Book Doggy right through to the 11th of November so um, I have submitted what I can submit. The other thing I haven't told you is that last weekend, I think it was, I can't remember what it was, I sat down and I now have um, all my adverts in Facebook right up to Left for Dead. So all the graphics there, the ads are there, the links are there. Um, I 
when they got approved, I ran them enough to just start getting impressions on them to know that they were working and going. And I paused them. I did exactly the same on Google. So every single rapid release book now up to Left for Dead has uh, Google display ads created. Again, I ran them until I started seeing them um, serving is what they, the, the word they use. They've been, they're now serving the ads and then I put them on pause. So now, uh, interestingly, because now you see it's still got momentum. I, I, this is something I didn't realize would happen with rapid release. What I didn't think is I, I thought now you see her would get those promotions in week one and then it would drop like a brick. That's what I thought would happen. But in actual fact, and I think I used this analogy last week, I, I'm talking about uh, these plate balancers when they balance all these plates on sticks. You know, interestingly, I'm still promoting now you see her. Why wouldn't I? It's still doing well in the charts. And, and then of course, Dead of Night joins the queue. So I'm promoting Dead of Night because that's still doing okay. And then also, um, don't tell Maggie's doing okay as well because it's still number one in free and I want that to continue. So I've got those three books that I'm promoting, but of course, next week, one last chance is coming out. So I'm getting some pre-sales on that. Not many, but I'm promoting one last chance as well. And remember, this isn't just about the sales. If you listen back to my interview with Adam Nichols, Adam said that he felt that it went because of the traffic he was sending to it. So again, I'm taking a hit on sending traffic as well. Um, I'm just sticking to the strategy. I'm sticking to what Adam said, and I'm hoping that this works. So... I've got I've got a whole campaign right up to November the 11th ready, sat on pause, so that when I start to see books starting to drop, I think I'm going to use actually, I think what I'm going to use, I've just, just talking to you now, I've come up with this. I think I'm going to use as my touchstone. If they're in, if they are in a top 100 paid chart, I'll keep paying. When they drop out of a top 100 paid chart, that's when I'll turn the ads off for them. That, that's what I'm going to use. That seems like a reasonable, I've just been talking to you. I think that feels sensible to me. So, um, so when an old book drops out the top hundred, I'll turn off the ads for it. But remember, I'm turning on new ads all the time, but I am, of course, spending quite a substantial amount on ads. And when I say substantial amount, it's not a huge amount. It's maybe 50, 60 quid a week on Facebook ads, probably the same on Google ads. So it all adds up. It's all quite a lot of money, but it, it's, it's how we need to do it. The other thing, by the way, that I've had to abandon is, you know, I said I got roughly £185 per book. It doesn't really work like that uh, in a cash flow situation because really to manage my time here, it, uh, and hopefully you've got a sense of this already from these diaries, to manage my time, it works better if I batch the jobs. So this this morning I, I sat down um, and I batched all the book doggy promos, the uh, BK Knight's promos, the e-reader news today promos. I batched them. I did them all as a job lot. When I did paperbacks the other day, I did them as a job lot. When I did the Facebook ads, I did them as a job lot because you get in the routine and you can do it faster. And the same with the Google ads. I did them as a job lot. So because I'm paying for ads way in advance, you know, I've been paying for ads today, uh, that, that won't actually be published until the 11th of November. From a cash flow point of view, I need the cash up front. I can't pace it out over the weeks like I thought I was going to do. So again, bear that in mind. If you do a rapid release, you, you need to have, however you lay your hands on the cash, whether you're sticking it on a credit card or you're taking it out of cash flow, I need to be, you need to lay your hands on that cash uh, up front. Now, if I were a full-time author, then I'd have been able to pace this slightly better than I have. You know, I'm having to do as much as I can, as soon as I can, to make sure that everything is done in time. And, and that's why I've chosen to batch all those jobs. Now, I'm lucky that the cash flow, I've had payments in this week. I got another good Amazon payment coming in this week. You know, I got some corporate payments coming in. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that as well as the money going out, the money's coming in. But I also have to watch my cash flow because I got to pay, um, Judy Corden is going to drop an edit on me, um, today I think um today or tomorrow um that's coming in or it's due any time now um that'll need to be paid for uh and then I've got another edit from Judy coming in I've got Helen Fazal's going to drop an edit invoice on me and and then I got another one from Judy coming in on January so I got to watch my cash flow as well to make sure that I can pay uh, all of those bills but the learning point from that is is that it's best to batch the work and actually you need the money up front. You can't pace it and say, oh, I'll do this book one week, that book the next week. It just doesn't work like that. You'd go crazy if you did it like that. So um, again, hopefully that's a, you know, a lesson or a learning for you if you ever consider doing this with your own books. So um, I wanted to mention a vellum change. I Who did I pick this up off? It was off the Selmore Book Show and it just made my radar 
uh, tingle because I thought, hang on, I'm listing books at the moment. I haven't spotted this. Now, um, this is for Vellum version 2.6. I haven't got a clue what I'm using, uh, but all I can say to you is the one I'm using on Mac in, Mac in Cloud at the moment. I don't know whether that's an update or not, but apparently, um, and I don't know why they're doing this, but Vellum are changing the file they give you for Kindle don't quote me on this. Please read the article. My understanding of it is it's going to be an EPUB file, but Kindle doesn't know any different. I can't really get my head around that, but whatever. That's the change. And 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 I immediately thought, oh, goodness, don't tell me Vellum's not going to work with Kindle. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It, it seems to be uh, that nothing massive is changing here. Um, and I can tell you that the, the version of Vellum I'm using on my uh, Mac in cloud, which is how I process my books in a, on a virtual Mac. I don't think that kind of, because I checked all my files and thought, have I just missed this? Um, but it's uploading my files perfectly right. They display perfectly right. There's no problems with it at all. Um, but I did just catch this on the Selma book show and I wanted to flag it up to you if you're a Vellum user. So what I've done is to save you hunting for it, I've put the Vellum blog that explains the change and talks you through it. I put that link to the Vellum blog on the show notes for episode 271. If you use Vellum and you use it to create your Kindle files, just check it out and make sure that everything's hunky-dory as far as your books are concerned. Quite a lot of mentions this week. Uh, Pip Reed got in touch. Uh, Pip said, thanks very much for the um, awesome tech toolkit podcast. I, I know that Pip likes this stuff. She says she's told me before that she likes it when I geek out on stuff. I try not to over-geek you, but hopefully it's useful information. Uh, Pip says, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You spoke our language. I was especially interested in your WordPress security and the vast recommendations. We currently use iTheme security on our WordPress site, and that successfully stops anywhere from 10 to 100 bots per day trying to hack our site. Yeah, WordPress is great, but because so many people use it, people do try to hack it. Um, Pip says, given that we earn significant revenue from our website, security is a big deal for us. It is it's really important for somebody like Pip who, who uses the website as much as she does. Um, we also use Zoom for meetings. Once we discovered Zoom, we ditched Skype and Google Hangouts for good. Yep, I agree. I'm using Zoom more and more, Pip. Um, you seem to have fewer problems with it. And certainly when I did the crypto podcast last year, that's what we used for recording podcasts. Not a lot of point. Uh, well, I don't use Skype um, for podcasts. Now I'm just doing voice only for the the diary. Um, I still kind of use Skype for interviews, but to be honest with you, I think if I went back to the author podcast, I'd probably start using Zoom. Actually, it is a lot easier. I agree with you. Uh, Skype is rubbish. I use it resentfully. Um, Zoom is way better. So I agree with that too. Um, Pip's bookmark the page for future reference. And uh, Pip has also sent me some images, which I'll pop on the resources page for this week. Now, um, Pip is somebody worth following because if you if you follow, um, is it Joseph Alexander? Joseph Alexander who does the guitar books. Um, Pip is following the same model as Joseph Alexander, except she's not doing guitar books, but she's they're doing um, Bible pathway adventures. They're Bible stories and activities, educational activities around Bible stories. The, uh, I've, I've interviewed Pip before, so do check out the the podcast interview. Um, but they're using a similar model to Joseph, um, and and so they've started to use print on demand activity books delivered via KDP. She's really interesting. I know this was a, a substantial move for Pip, and Pip says to date we've uploaded twelve books with sixty plus to go. This is the scale of Pip's operation. And she says, in a funny sort of way, we've ended up doing our own rapid release with two to three new paperback activity books going live on Amazon each month. Customers have asked for printed books, plus it's about spreading risk across multiple platforms, just as you discuss in your podcast. Pip says that she's very impressed with Amazon's print on demand quality. The books are 8.5 times 11 inches. So these are like workbooks, the kind that um, Joanna Penn talks about, I think. And Pip has sent two pictures. Again, I'll put those on the resources page for episode uh, two. No, it's not 271 yet. It's 171 this week. So, and, and, and I know Pip's doing great things. And if you remember too, uh, Pip's doing amazing things on Pinterest. So, you know, Pip is the the author the only author, frankly, that I've ever seen or doing the best, I think, on Pinterest. You know, I, I would look to Pip. If you want a great example of how Pinterest could work superbly for you as an author, um, Pip and the Bible Pathway Adventures, that's the place to go. But she's doing amazing things. I know they're building an incredible business there. Um, ab- absolutely remarkable. So um, thanks for keeping in touch, Pip. I'm pleased you've got your geek fix from that episode. Uh, people do seem to like those geek, geek fixes. So where another one sort of naturally occurs, um, I will try 
try and drop one in in the future because I, I quite enjoy doing them too. You know, I love my geekery. So in summary, Pip says, we're enjoying your uh, Pulse Podcast Diary rapid release updates. It's quite fascinating. And I'm cheering you on from Canada. Thank you, Pip. That's one of the reasons why I just wanted to thank everybody at the beginning of the podcast, because I keep getting these you know lovely positive notes from people. And I, I really do um, appreciate them. As I said, it might be a crash in slow motion. But at least, you know, if I if I mess the old thing up, you'll know not to do what I did. And if it works, well, you'll have a, a nice, uh, well-trodden path with all the details there and you can just follow and, and, and hopefully do the same for yourself. I tried a caption competition with my own subscribers and it's very, very interesting that the, I got the sense that uh, most of my subscribers are, are from the USA. I just got the sense that the, um, my USA subscribers didn't really get what a caption competition was. And you know, when you sort of think, is this just something that we do? Is this, is this a UK, a weird UK thing? Because when I worked at the BBC, we used to have a little um, internal magazine that went around that just said what the news was in the office, you know, who was on leave and who was up to what and things that had gone well that week. And then every now and then you'd get a, like a funny photo that somebody would have when they were on the radio or interviewing a guest. And, and we'd go around them and have a caption competition. And, and caption competitions, I must have just had a, a very strange working life, but we always did caption competitions. They were great fun. They were a great way of getting the staff on board. But I did this caption competition and, and I could just tell from some of the responses I got that this was not something, it didn't feel like something that my friends in the USA really sort of got. Um, so I wouldn't do it again is my, is my summary. I got entries, but they weren't quite what I was looking for. Anyhow, I did get a brilliant entry, uh, I'm pleased to say. And that brilliant entry was from Sue, who is a listener to this podcast. So well done. Um, Sue says, uh, I am a, well, Sue's caption, I'll, I'll put the, caption on the show notes if you want to take a look of it it was just a picture of me and Adam and I was smiling and Adam had got a worried look on his face and I thought Sue's caption was perfect the caption was when Adam Nichols realized he's Paul's next victim in a book that is so it just it fits the caption really the photo really well but um, Sue just dropped me a note and said, I'm a faithful podcast listener. Just wanted to thank you for the wealth of information and experience you share with each episode. It's really been an inspiration for me as I write my first novel. Congratulations, Sue, for getting that writing done. Uh, I'm pleased that it inspires you rather than putting you off the whole experience. And it's very nice of you to to write and to sort of participate. And, and I, we haven't spoken before, so it's always lovely to know who's out there and listening to the podcast. And uh, feel free to drop me a line in future too. Don't Don't be shy. Um, also, oh, oh, by the way, yes. Do you remember we've kind of had this rivalry with the photographs recently? And, um, Lucy Branch sent that lovely picture from Croatia. And then, and then Tim Lewis had a go and, and, and Edwin Downward was feeling like he couldn't compete. It was, it was all getting very competitive. I'm sorry, everybody, but, um, Adriana Liccio has blown you all out of the water. If you have a look at, uh, uh, episode 171 show notes just take a look at these for holiday photographs adriana has uh, tweeted me and said i'm eager to listen to your podcast each saturday as if i were looking at my own charts so, yeah it's like a, it's probably like a gripping netflix saga this isn't it this rapid release um, adriana says uh, today i'll be listening to the new episode as we travel from zaka oh, i'm going to get this wrong it's going to be embarrassing zaka pain zakapani zaka pain is how it reads that's not how you say it. I'm sorry. Excuse my ignorance. Uh, it's in Poland. Uh, Travelling from there to Austria, on the way back home, down the Italian boot, but you kept us company all through a European tour. And there are lovely pictures. Oh, that beach looks amazing in the bottom left-hand corner. Oh, I want to be everywhere, Adriana. I just love travelling. Incidentally, I have booked a couple of trips before the end of the year. Uh, we're heading for Berlin and I'm heading for Spain before the year end. I've just like been ready to spontaneously combust because I've been so busy working this year. I haven't been abroad. So I'm going to get my fix twice between now and Christmas. I'm delighted to announce. Um, yeah. So Berlin and Spain, um, just before Christmas, Spain and November for Berlin, just when I've kind of got on top of this rapid release and it will be ticking over of its own accord. So I'm going to get a bit of foreign travel in too before the year is out. But Adriana, you, you beat everybody. Those, I think you'll all agree, those fantastic pictures, those blue skies, that beautiful beach. Are they beach huts or something? They look fantastic, those lovely, lovely pictures. Thank you very much for sharing that. And uh, yeah, I'm pleased that it's like rapid release Netflix video. Unfortunately, you can't download all the episodes at once. You have to, you have to listen in one week at a time. Edwin Downward has been really, I think, you know, exasperated by this and uh, he's gone for the easy shot. And I, I can't blame you, Edwin. 
uh, because Edwin says, after due consideration, I've decided I don't have the bandwidth to continue competing with your more exotic and jet-setting followers. And he's fallen back to the cute bunny pictures in his comments on the podcast. Edwin, you know that bunnies trump everything. Okay, there's probably only one thing that might trump the bunnies or come a close equal, and that's dog. A, a very cute and funny dog, right? Because I'm also, I also love dogs as well. So bunnies, dogs, you know, cuddly animals, definitely. So, um, and, and, and Edwin has really gone in for the kill here because he's done it twice. So in his second tweet, we get a close up of the rabbits, and Edwin says, Rabbit it is, arrived at the shelter to discover that um, the number had risen by 15, <laughs> though at least some of them were just passing through. Edwin, when we had rabbits as a kid, we had a rabbit called Thumper, which we got from a shop. And Thumper was an escapologist. And we, we lived on, we backed on fields, fields which were full of rabbits. And um, Thumper was a female rabbit and would frequently escape and come back from the fields pregnant. And you know the phrase breeding like rabbits well that's what thumper did and i can remember as a kid we, we had to make a pen for them in the garden there must have been 20 rabbits how, how many babies do rabbits have it felt like that they were all over the place anyway so yeah i know what you mean by you say the number had risen by 15 um and also um tim lewis is traveling again and uh, this is a really interesting tweet from tim um tim is in the states at the moment i think you're still in the states tim as far as i can tell but uh, Tim says, I'm well behind with Paul's podcast, too busy creating a float of Paul for Mardi Gras. And there is a picture of a grey bearded old man there, uh, which is one of the floats of Mardi Gras. So um, I said to uh, Tim that the likeness is uncanny. But um, again, you know, this is why I love seeing your photographs. It's great to get that taste of other countries and other cultures. I just can't get enough of it. I love it. I feel like I'm traveling with you. Uh, in, in a sense, I guess I am with the podcast. So thanks ever so much for all the tweets. We've got a bumper crop this week. And I, as ever, I always love looking at them. So wherever you are, don't think it's dull. Wherever you are in the world, whatever you're up to, I would love it if you sent me a tweet. Uh, let me know where you are when you're listening to the podcast diary. Okay, we've we've gone over an hour again this week. As you, there's loads of news, as you can tell. I'm, I want to share as much of it as I can with you so you can take as much benefit as possible. On Monday, I am re-releasing One Last Chance. That is the book that used to be, he says, thinking it through. What was it? One Fatal Error. It's the one on the forts. That's right. I, even I have to think about this. And um, I will be publishing this weekend. Well, after I, while I'm editing this, I'm going to be publishing... Uh, what's the book called? It's called No More Secrets. That's going to KDP Select and I'll make the paperback of that and I will do the first box set. I'm writing on Saturday and then will I be writing before I speak to you again? Yes, I'm writing on Thursday and then on Thursday night I'm off for a jolly. We're going to see Gary Newman in concert in Newcastle. So I did tell you that this is all punctuated by fun and games. It's not all work um, because if I was doing all work, it would be a bit too much. So we do have it all punctuated with some fun. So yeah, I'm going to go and see 80s pop star Gary Newman, who incidentally, this all comes full circle, doesn't it? I saw Gary Newman when I was in Berlin a couple of years ago. I saw him in some kind of Berlin nightclub. What a brilliant experience that was. And um, he's really rocked it up since the 80s guitars he's ever seen he's doing some great stuff Gary Newman still so I'm really looking forward to seeing Gary Newman in Newcastle next week so that is my week lots of fun lots of writing lots of editing I'm going to be writing or editing two years after when I get it back from Julie so it keeps rumbling on <laughs> the rapid release rumbles on I'll update you with all the latest details next Saturday in the next podcast diary episode 172 whatever you're doing I hope you have a fabulous week of writing bye bye for now Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.